Divine Truth Assistance Group Group assistance sessions putting principles of divine truth into action. This recording is from the Developing My Will to Love group and is part of the Education in Love series. In the My Will to Love Q&A presentation, Jesus answers questions from the audience about the material covered in the previous presentation, My Will to Love. Recorded on the 27th of February 2016 in New Seville, Queensland, Australia. So my girl distracted me a bit when she walked in the door, sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, I was expecting her. Yeah. <laughs> Still doesn't stop me getting distracted by her. <laughs> Okay. All right, so here's your opportunity. Last question time. Where are we going to start? Let's uh, start with Kerry up the back. Over on that side. Yep, keep your hand up. Who doesn't know you? Um. Yeah. Um. Does sin always result in physical pain or can it be emotional pain without physical pain? Uh, it's a good question, Kerry. Um, can I firstly compliment on you? Many times when you guys are asking questions, you're asking personal, selfish, what I'd classify as selfish questions, and, and they're not based on principle. So what Kerry just gave us was an example of a question based on a principle. And if you understand the principle, then you'll understand a lot of things. Does that make sense? So it's far better to ask questions based on principle than it is to ask questions based on personal experience because the principle you can apply to many personal experiences. All right, so, so that's what we want to try to zone in on when we're asking our questions. So question here, yes, is the question... So basically you're saying... Is, is, are the results just emotional or are there also physical side effects of, of pain resulting from sin? Yeah. Yep. Um, okay, well let me draw this diagram for you and you tell me. So here's Kerry. Sorry, Kerry, it might uh, be a bit basic description of yourself there. All right, so what's this one? Spirit, physical body and spirit body. And this is your soul. Remember, you are one half, so I probably should draw it as one half, right? Yeah, the theme. Right, so, so now when you sin, where does the sin, the effects of the sin reside? In the soul. In your soul. So, so when you sin, the effect of the sin gets added to the soul. Now, where does the energy for both of these bodies come from? The soul. From your soul. So the energetic flow is from your soul to each body. So what's the answer to your question? Well, it's going to have to be physical pain. Yep. In, so if you're as not, well as emotional pain. Okay, so if you're just yep. in emotional pain yep. and you're not feeling physical effects from it all the time or might be Kerry like the reality is all should, all of us should look about 22 yeah right so why don't we 
because we're already experiencing the ravages of sin against our body and we see it as normal and we call it old age. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so there are instant effects on our body when we, when we sin in our soul, but we call it, we label it things. Yeah. We label it old age, you know, wrinkles. Um, you know, we, we give it all this label, which is all n normal for the world, of course. But from God's perspective, none of these things should exist. You follow? Yeah. Yeah. And they are the effects. So one of the pains that you have which is both physical and emotional, is that you get old. Okay. Yep. And that's a, that's a major pain that we all have and all experience, and that, that is caused directly by there being some kind of sin in our soul. Now remember, the sin could be against oneself as well as against others. So for a lot of us, it, it's stuff where we refuse to give up. We, we, we refuse to love ourselves. We want someone else to love us. So a lot of that causes a lot of our physical problems as well. Yeah. So yes, every single sin we commit has an emotional effect and a physical one. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Both. Has both. Okay. Emotional you. effect and a physical one. It also uh, actually changes the wiring in your brain. It can also affect your genetic structure. <laughs> that makes sense, doesn't it? Mm. That's all physical body stuff. So, of course, any sin you commit will have different effects on the physical body. So some sins are going to so affect your body in all sorts of ways. Does that make sense to everyone? Yeah. It'll affect your muscles, your joints, your organs, your brain, the way your brain is wired, the way your uh, genetic structure is internally, the damage to your genetic structure that causes all sorts of genes that then get passed down to your children. All of that is caused by sin in the soul. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's a wide-reaching scope. Yeah. Uh, as to what happens when sin, sin's engaged. Thank you. Yep, good question. If we come, Bruce, you would. So hereditary defects, hereditary, are sins passed down from previous? Yes, and the way a sin gets passed down is that it's in the soul of the parents or one or both of the parents and, and then when they, give, they, they conceive a child, the genetic replication process of the child is determined to a large extent by not only physical factors that God has designed but also the emotional factors that exist within the parents. So if the parents have sin or, or emotions that are inside of them that affect the way they think and the way they act, those particular emotions will certainly affect the development of the child and even the development of its physical body. So it's actually what causes things like genetic deformities in children before they're born. That's also caused by sin. And is that reversible for the child? It is reversible, but it's very, very difficult to reverse because there are genetic deformities that occurred while the child was in the formative stage of their life, before they were even born, before they even had a will, and so they're going to have to be able to work their way through those particular passed-down emotions in order to cure the problem or get cured externally by somebody who helps them do that. But yes, they can be cured. Thanks. Yep.
Every, every type of genetic deformity can be cured, but it requires you addressing the original sin that caused it, yep. which is where most people refuse to go, right? Yeah. Barbara, thanks. Just on that, so if um, a person with a deformity became at one with God, that deformity will disappear? Correct. Yep. And what's all this got to do with will? Can I ask you that? What's it got to do with... You have a good question, Rita. A will question. <laughs> you have a real question or a will question? <laughs> a will question. I have a will question. Good on you. What's the real question? <laughs> um, a couple of years ago, I overheard a conversation between two parents mm -hmm. who had both disabled sons, mm -hmm. adult sons, and one of them complained that their son didn't get a meat sandwich, but say the support worker, also support workers, bought him a um, vegan sandwich, and Obviously, he had complained or he didn't like it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I didn't get that part. Mm -hmm. But for years, I was wondering what is the right thing to do in that situation. And now I know it's because you don't break your, your work contract and you give them a, a meat sandwich. You, as a support worker, has to buy the meat sandwich. Hmm. <laughs> and, and oh, what oh, about I'm the totally confused of, of what this got to do with your will. Not the will of a disabled person. Right, How but, much do parents... But what does the disabled person need in this case? It needs education, doesn't he? The disabled person, probably, they, they couldn't talk. But they still need education. And one I think way, the prop, It's the, quite easy to educate a person when it comes to food. Do you know what you do? They'll just give it to them. They no, 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 you don't just give... Like, I won't eat everything. What do you do to educate a person when it comes to food? You just tell them about the benefits and to... No, you don't, because in this case you might not even be able to tell him. So what do you do? I mean, I just changed my daughter and myself from one day to the other. That wasn't a problem. I know, that's called forcing somebody's will. What do you do? <laughs> Can you give me an idea what you would do? No, no, no. See, I'm asking you a question. What do you eat? You eat what tastes good, do you not? So what do you do? to change the will of a child who's eating meat, you make food that's vegan that tastes better than the meat. That's what you do. Yeah, of course, yeah. That's, that's what you do. And the majority <laughs> of people of who eat vegan have no idea how to do that. So, of course, the majority of people who eat their food don't like it. Yeah, I mean, right. So my, my suggestion, and this is a thing about providing motivation, if a person sees the pleasure of the benefit, right, and then also the parent would see the um, physical benefit, but, but the child would feel the taste benefit, then, of course, you've got a way of motivating their will into a different direction. Yeah. My, my question wasn't that disabled people don't eat vegan food because they like it. My question was, did the support worker do the right thing by not by refusing to buy... A meat sandwich without checking with the parent. Well, it depends on whether they were spending their own money or the money of the organisation. They spend the money of so the parents usually pays for their children's Well, then food. they should do what the parent asks. And buy a meat sandwich. And is that then a sin for them? Sorry? No, it's the sin of the parent, isn't it? 
It's not the sin of the support worker having to buy a meat sandwich. I mean, it's a little thing, but I chewed on it. Well, I don't know if I would be working in a support. See, this, this is where you ask questions, and I feel you're way off track before you even ask the question. Why would you be working in a situation where you're having to buy meat sandwiches, which is against your own ethics, for children? Like, I would, I would be changing my work. But the thing is, see, most of us don't want to change it because of different reasons. It's feeding an addiction of some kind, or it's giving us some money or income, or whatever it is. So we don't want to make that original decision. And so then we're faced with a whole heap of unethical choices where both choices are unethical, really. In the end of the day, what I would do is I would not buy the, I would not buy the child any meat sandwiches under those circumstances, but I'd make damn sure that whatever I gave them tasted better than anything meat they could even eat. And then, of course, do you think that they'd be going home complaining to mum and dad about their meat sandwich or not having one? Of course they wouldn't. So, so that's what I would do. And then if I got brought out of the coals for that, I'd say, well, if I can't do that, I can't work here. It's quite simple for me. But, but, you know, to me, I would firstly be motivated out of love to provide the child with a motivation for change, which is what I'm actually trying to do here with you, actually, <laughs> provide a motivation for change too, right? And this is what you do is you present the benefit. Now, with somebody who can't talk, the benefits can be presented physically. They can be presented by taste, touch, and those other kinds of methods, the benefits can be presented and, and therefore motivate change. Does that make sense? Thank you. Also, if a cook, for example, starts to become vegan, he would change his job immediately or well, over time. I think he would do it immediately, but, uh, you know, but that's me. And get out of the work contract. <laughs> well, you're sinning until you change. Like, and what did we say? Point number three is to stop sinning and remove sin from you. So, so I would choose to stop sinning, and then I would also then choose to remove sin from me. So, so if I'm in a job where I'm sinning, I would firstly choose to stop sinning. Now, if that means I can keep my job while I, and stop sinning, then I'll do that. But if I can't do that, I'll leave the job so that I can stop sinning. And then I would go and do, do something that removes the sin from me and at the same time. You know, like I, I would choose both. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. But now I have another question. No, can we stop now? Because a lot of your questions are not very, like, honestly, a lot of them are not based on principle, reader. You're asking about situations, and this is what you constantly do. You want me to give an answer to each situation because you don't want to have to work through these situations yourself, and this is an issue you face. You've got to learn the principle so that you know every situation and what to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, thank yep. you. And if we go to Josh, thank you. Um, for most of us, would you say that um, repentance and forgiveness is a large part of developing my will to love? And it's. I feel for most of you, you're not even there yet. You're not even at the point where you want to forgive anybody or want to repent for what you've done. For the majority of you, you're still have yet at this stage of developing your will to even choose to do the loving thing. Does that make sense? So I feel, I feel you know, we're going to be discussing with you uh, the repentance and forgiveness issues. We, obviously, when it comes to resolving the questions of sin, which is in our, I think, our fourth presentation. And the reason why we've structured it that way is because we hope that many of you will sort of come along 
in the right, you know, the first thing I would like to see most of you do is develop your will more carefully to live in harmony with love and truth no matter what the outcome is. Like to me, that's going to trigger a lot of emotion. It's going to work. You're going to have to work through a lot of faith issues. You're going to have to take action in different areas. You're going to have to deal with deal with a lot of uh, resistance to truth in that place. And, and in the place in that, if you do that, you will have a highly developed sense of your own choice and will. Your right, your the right way to to develop yourself in terms of how you choose to live your life. And and once you do that, now you can learn about yourself. And that, that's, that's the next step. And this is where, why we've done it this way is because we feel that the majority of you are at this point where you still have not yet, you know, really chosen what you're going to do with your will. And, and so, so, Josh, my feelings are, yes, uh, repentance and forgiveness is a huge problem for most of us because we refuse to do both things. But at the end of the day, there's a whole heap of things we need to learn first so, and actually apply them. And then we'll get to a stage where we will feel the, the, the compulsion to go through the process of repentance and forgiveness. At this stage, it's just an intellectual concept that the majority of us are not choosing to engage. Does that make sense? And, and the problem is because we're not using our will to engage it. And that, so this is why we have to have this conversation about will first. Yep. So I feel this, this presentation about will for the majority of you by, you know, and I'm talking about 90, 98% of you, basically, um, this is where you need to focus your attention. Cho choosing to change your will, choosing to remove from yourself all the impediments to your will changing, and choosing to understand the relationship between what you're choosing to do and the pain that's occurring in your life and understand these particular principles. I feel that's where you're at. And, and in the spirit world, you would not be presented anything beyond where you're at. So you've had a lot of presentations over eight years that are way beyond where you're at. And, and the proof of that is that most of you haven't changed by hearing them. And that's an indication they were way beyond where you're at. So you can always go back to those particular presentations. But my feelings are the majority of you need to learn how to exercise your will and not be influenced by external factors, external people, or anything else that's external to you, you're only influenced by your choices and your decisions, and you're making sure that those choices and decisions are yours and yours alone. That's where I feel a great amount of development can be made. And if you can make that shift, then influencing you negatively is going to be very difficult after that. Very difficult. And that would be fantastic. Because at the moment, many of you are influenced negatively at the drop of a hat, as the saying goes. Like just a little suggestion here, a little suggestion there, and you're way off beam after that. Right? And, and that needs to change if you're ever going to be educated in love. So my suggestion is to, you know, after this presentation, is to listen to them both again, all again once we get them out, you know, on YouTube and on video. And... and uh, do some plans in your personal life about what part of that do you think is your most important problem at this stage and work on that and then, then address those issues. You've got a few months before the next group happens and you've got opportunities here to develop some of these things so that you're not so easily swayed by external choices, opinions, the world's, the world's definition of love, you know. And I feel that would be the most powerful thing you could do at the moment. Does that make sense? Yep.
And I feel the issue of repentance and forgiveness that you've raised, that is a big issue for the majority of us, but, but we're not we're there yet. We, we, we don't even know what we've got to repent for yet. We've, we've got to learn how to awaken to sin first, and that's a whole process we're going to have to go through, you see. And, and we, once we're awakened to sin, you'll find the process of repentance is quite easy because you, you feel the sin of it. You, it's an emotional, but, but you have to be... It becomes sen- a passion then. Yeah, it becomes a passion for you. Yeah, and you ha- but you have to feel it. And if you're not sensitive to your emotions, you're not going to feel that. So it gets back to this week again, you know, like working away. I feel like what you've presented is spot on because I've just been apathetic. Like, yep. And it's like, where's, where's the will gone? <laughs> it's like, not yep. there. <laughs> and the majority of people who've heard Divine Truth probably say that. They'd probably say the same thing. And that's why we've presented it in the fashion we have. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, if we go back to Gary up back. Yeah, um, what, what I got from what, one of the big things that affected me was um, just um, admitting where I am with my, with my will. Yep. And so I'm in a poor condition, but for the last five years I've fought that. Yeah, you know, and I used, and I was so shocked at how bad it was. I just wanted to use my will and my strength and my effort, yeah, to overcome it. Yeah, it's exhausting. It, hey? Yeah, but it's sort of like, for, and, and the the thing was that with these tools, I, I can actually work on the fact that I don't want to. Yes, and, and I, I never saw that as an option. Yeah, you know, I I just well, we, I we just have so much judgment yeah. about that, don't we? About thinking, oh, if I say uh, the feeling I have is I really don't want to. But if I say that, people will think I'm bad. People, you know, there's all sorts of things that come up when we start saying the truth about how we really feel. But it's only by acknowledging the truth about how we really feel that we can actually have a basis for change. So, so what yeah, you raise is an important issue. Yeah, and, and yeah. it was like freeing because I, I yeah. don't have to fight my facade anymore. Okay, like I don't want to. Yeah. So it's sort of like a, I, I haven't done it yet, but I, I'm like I'm much more motivated to do it now because I might actually get somewhere. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you know, exactly. Like rather than beating myself up. But yeah. We, you know, we've got the tools to work. Well, why don't I? Yeah. You know, and, and just deconstruct all the reasons, you know, why, why you don't, don't want, want to. to. Exactly. Into faith and all through the four of them just go through your negative beliefs and yep. like I've got a plan of action now but before I was just pinballing off in yeah. different directions. Yeah, no, it's a good comment. With regard to willpower versus will, as, as we've pointed out, the will comes from the soul. The willpower comes from the mind of the spirit body, right? Trying to overcome the will of the soul. Did you get that? We've actually said that in your notes. So it's already written down in your notes. The willpower is the mind of your spirit, your mind, not, not your brain. Your brain belongs in your physical body. Your mind, which is actually making choices and decisions, that's the part where you reason with, the language that you discuss and all those kind of things. They all come from the spirit body's mind. The spirit body's mind is trying to exercise power over the will of the soul. So what's happening is the mind saying, no, what the soul wants to do is really bad. It shouldn't be done. So what I'm going to do, instead of just letting the soul release the reason why it does what it does, what I'm going to do is suppress that, suppress the reason why. Now that's why it's exhausting, because you're trying to suppress what's already in the soul, and there's already layers of suppression on it anyway, and, and you're trying now to exercise your mind to suppress, and now it's going to require qu- a quite a large amount of effort with very little result. Yeah. 
And this is how, you know, this is how the Christian faith come up and, and uh, well, it came up way before the Christian faith. It's actually in the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament. So this is how the Israelite faith, the Jewish faith, come up with the concept that the heart is treacherous and you can't know it. And so what you've got to do is, because you can't know it, you've got to suppress it. <laughs> right? And what I'm suggesting is no, what needs to happen is your heart has to change. Ironically, in exactly the same book of the Bible, it says that. Isn't that irony? On one hand, on one, it says the heart is treacherous and who can know it? And then on the other hand, it says that God can give you a new heart. God can, in other words, soften your heart, turn, the heart, turn a heart from a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Right? And most of us have a heart of stone and then we see the heart of stone and we go, oh, I don't like that. That's no good. So what I'm going to do now is use my willpower to try and make out that I've got a heart of flesh. Instead of allowing God to change the heart from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And the irony is those two secrets are contained in exactly the same book of the Bible. I think that's a very ironic fact. Right. So, so what, I, what I'm, we're encouraging you to do is to give up this concept that with your mind you can change everything and work on the fact that if there is opposition to change it comes from your soul and you've got to like you said Gary acknowledge it feel it release it and desire to acknowledge it feel it release it before it's going to go and when you do that you'll be left with no defined will but at least no defined negative will <laughs> with regard to those particular things and of course you need to then choose to do positive things to change your soul's will positively that makes sense. So yeah, I think it's a great, and it's great that you feel like you've got some tools that you can do that with. The key, the key now is to, is to do it, isn't it? Yeah, yep. That's good. So if we come down to Peter. <coughs> uh, just a spirit question. Mm -hmm. um, the physical pain that we have now, when we die. Does that physical pain go to our spirit body or is, does it become an emotional pain in our soul? Well, the spirit body experiences, firstly, all the physical pains of your physical body. Remember, there's a cord that connects the bodies. So you've got a cord here that connects the body. That's called your silver cord, right? That's what it's known as in the, in the spirit world, at least. The silver cord, and that, that, that connects from the base to the base of your spine. And, and all of your physical sensations get also fed back into the spirit body's sensations. And then all of the spirit body's sensations get fed into the soul in a similar mechanism. Right? So, so there are these responses that occur inside of your body. So what, what actually happens is whenever you have a pain physically, this pain not only goes through your physical body, but also it enters your spirit body as well as a pain. That, that your mind in your spirit body becomes conscious of. So your brain's processing the pain in your physical body, but your mind now, through this cord, is also receiving that particular pain. Now, when the spirit body, the physical body, sorry, dies, the cord breaks, and now all of your physical pain and all of your emotional pain is felt in the body that's left. So, yes, spirits have high, intense amounts of physical pain, right? 
and also intense amount of emotional pain. And ironically, the spirit body also, because it's one layer removed, one layer closer, if you like, it means that everything is actually more intensely experienced. So what you think is your emotional pain now, when you experience it in your spirit body, you'll find it actually will be more intense. So there's a motivation for dealing with it while it's on earth, right? And, and this is what most spirits find, that they're in terrible amount of physical and emotional pain when they pass. And, and they want people on earth to understand that actually dealing with it, waiting to deal with it, as many of you have actually expressed to me at different times that you could wait to deal with it, is actually one of the worst things you could do for yourself. Right. Yeah, because that's one of their first questions they often say to us. Like, like, I've died, so how come I've still got this pain? Exactly. Yeah. Not only do they now have the pain, but they're now far more aware of the pain because the pain is more intense. Because there's no, instead of being two chains removed, it's now one chain removed from the, from the feeling centre, the soul. But it's also now the spirit body is the only body left and it's going to experience everything. Yeah. Yeah, good motivations. Uh, there's a lot of benefits for doing this, right? Not just right now. There's uh, like eternal benefits, which we'll go through in a minute. Uh, next next presentation, we'll go through some of these benefits. Okay, anything else you'd like to ask? Fab, thanks. Sorry, Sherry, you got you running back and forth there. So you know, yeah, that analogy about the going to the getting to school and changing your job. You can apply that to this as well. Like this becomes your university, the you know course, mm -hmm. and That's and right. we can develop and grow the desire as we learn. Yes, you know, and like and you can make sure you're focused on the areas that you are you know don't know anything about. Many of you are trying to jump ahead because you think intellectual knowledge is knowledge, mm. right? That is a big mistake. That's not knowledge. That's just what you've heard. Real knowledge is, enters your soul, and while you've got preclusive emotions in your soul, that knowledge won't enter your soul. So focusing on the development of your will is a, is a major benefit to you in terms of doing something from a soul perspective rather than just from an intellectual perspective. Yeah, and it's sort of start off like you're starting off any desire, really, like there's those limitations, the judgments, the, the how hard it is, you can't do it, and yep. all that kind of, and it can grow and develop. Correct. Yeah. yeah, and and you need to engage a plan for yourself. Yeah. Like, I don't see any problem with having a plan for yourself. Make a plan. What are you going to do? How are you going to address these particular issues? You're, remember, you're responsible here. Not no one else. Nobody else is responsible to even help you. So you're responsible. So so what plans are you making? What changes are you going to do? What are you going to engage? What what actions are you going to take? These are all up to you. Isn't it wonderful? No one else is going to tell you what to do. But, but many of you have relied on other people telling you what to do or taking responsibility for your life, right? So, so many of you want that and you're going to have to give that up if you're going to make any real change. You're going to have to fully engage your own will for real change to occur. Follow? Renee, thanks. I'm really struggling to understand the difference between willpower and choosing because I don't think I've ever made a choice. I've, I've got a very strong developed willpower which hasn't gotten me very far. And every time I think about choosing something, I then automatically 
use my willpower to choose. Yeah, I don't observe that in your life. What I observe is you doing, you basically following your addictions all your life. That's what I observe. And remember, I said to you a couple of days ago that that that's going to be the thing you're going to have to focus your time and effort on, giving up the addictions, so that you're left with you're left with the reality, the fact that actually most of what you choose in your life is completely driven by what you feel is good for you based on your addictions being met. So that's the area I feel for yourself that you need to allow yourself to focus on. Does that make sense? Yep. Any others? You're all questioned out. I am not. <laughs> I know, but I've, I've put a gag on you, Rita. <laughs> Phoebe, thank you. <laughs> um, uh, my question's about will and the effect that it has on God's law of attraction for me. Yep. So say I develop, like I really desire to develop my will to challenge my addictions yep. um, over the next few months. Yep. Does that, maybe the answer's obvious here, but... Will that change my law of attraction? Like, will I start attracting... Whose law again is it, people? God's law of attraction yes, on me. Yes, good on you. Will that change... Like, will I start attracting, say, more people who don't meet my addictions? Uh, or will well, I just well, know how to, what to do more? In let's, look at, let's look at it. If you have a sincere desire pass through your soul, and, and it's actually sincere... Um, isn't that, and if you particularly aim that towards God, isn't that called a prayer? Yes. Okay. So you've got this sincere desire passing through your soul that you really want to address the issue of your addictions. And you feel, if you truly feel sincere about that, then, then that in itself is the cause of, a, of other events being attracted to you to help you with that sincere desire. Do you understand? So that's yes. the cause and the effect will be what you call a ramped up law of attraction. There's no such thing. The, the law of attraction is operating all the time, all the time, all the time, the same way all the time. But now that you have a desire to know, now your will is being engaged to know more. And what, whenever a person's will is engaged to know more, what does God do? God gives them more. Okay. You understand? Yeah. So I... there'll be a whole heap of gifts offered to you that are not the result of your of the law of attraction, but rather the result of your now sincere right. desire. Does that make sense? Yeah, because I've heard you say, you know, God's giving us everything we need right now already. Yeah, but, but you've had a desire to, to reject it. Yes, so. and, it's, and it's kind of enough to go, right, okay, something's wrong here, and yep. then I can grow my will from that place and then God can give me more. Well, because now your will is now expressing a sincere desire to address a whole group of emotions called addictions that, that are out of harmony with love. And is that in harmony with God's desire? Yes. Of course it is. So God's going to feed that desire of yours by manoeuvring events and situations for you so that more is exposed to you than would otherwise normally be exposed. Okay. Do you understand? Yeah. Yep. And because you now have a lovely desire for, or for an awareness of those particular things, God rewards the desire for awareness. Yeah, and having the, 
that growing wheel along with all these extra attractions and uh, I'll, I'll know more what to do with those attractions. Of, co- moment, of course you will. Of course you will. Yeah. But you think about it, if you had a child and the child said, Mummy, could I, could I please know about this particular subject? What would you do? Yeah, you'd help You'd do everything you could, wouldn't you, to help the child know more about that subject? Wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, why do you think God's any different? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course God's going to do the same. He's our parent. He loves you. Of course, when you exercise a sincere desire, he knows whether your desire is sincere or not. If your desire is not sincere, nothing will change. Yeah, so that's a good way to measure it. <laughs> yeah, if you, don't, if you don't get any more information than other, uh, what you're already getting through the law of attraction and the law of cause and effect and the law of compensation, and you're getting no more information other than what you've already gotten, then that's an indication that your desire is not sincere because if your desire was sincere, you'd actually be receiving more than that. So every time I see something, like just in the last two days since you said addictions, Phoebe, yeah. I've been really reflecting on that yeah. and, and I feel like I've started to feel really uncomfortable and notice things that's just like, uh, yeah. is that a gift or is that me just noticing what's already been coming at me? Well, there's two things that have happened. You've exercised a prayer. What the, effect, the beautiful effect of prayer is it opens your heart. So, so when you pray, when you exercise a sincere desire to know something, that's a prayer. And the prayer opens your heart to receive. So now that you're exercising your desire to receive, which you weren't doing before because you didn't want to know, so now you are exercising that desire to receive knowledge about your addictions. Now, of course, you, you're going to be more easily able to be communicated with from God and from spirit helpers. You're going to be more easily communicated with in terms of what are the addictions and here's another one and here's another one and here's another one. And it's just how much you can cope with as to what you will get then, you know, how fast you can, you can work your way through these particular issues because they're not going to give you a whole series of things where, that are just too, too advanced for you to address, but they're going to help you work through what are the most uh, pertinent to your situation right now. Okay, and then I can just pray for like, okay, I see it, like what's my best course of action now? How do I use my will? Yeah, well, you've already been educated about how to do some things here. So, so now if you exercise a sincere desire to apply these particular principles to the situation, of course God's going to also make sure that that particular desire is fulfilled because God loves fulfilling your desires. And, and, when, and, and of course God only fulfills desires that are sincere. So, so God loves to feel, fulfill the desires that are sincere. So God will actually give you more information on that particular problem. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I feel excited about my Yeah, it's so exciting. <laughs> it's so exciting. Thank you. And, and what, who wouldn't be excited, I feel? It's like, like this, is a, this is a great way of growing. And it's, very, um, it's a loving and nurturing way of growing as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Loving and nurturing. Whose phone is that? Can we just have that? Off, I can hear a phone somewhere. Um, so, you know, it's a loving, nurturing way of dealing with it. Luli, thanks. Um, so you know how when you pray, your, your soul opens, and then if you receive love, obviously that changes your soul. Yep. Um, does longing for divine truth and receiving divine truth change the soul as well? Of course. How? Well, in the same way that, remember, what did we say at the beginning about love and truth? Well, the um, hip, joined at the hip. 
Da Siamese twins, they joined at the hip. Yes, that's what we said. So, 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 so you can't pray for truth without receiving some love. Right. So, so of course it's going to change you. Okay, so sometimes when I'm feeling an emotion yeah. and I long for, I don't feel up for longing for some love, but I ask for some truth, it intensifies and takes me to sometimes a childhood place or something different. Yeah. So I was, I was wondering what was happening to my soul in that because I don't think I'm receiving love. Lily, why are you so worried about what is happening rather than just being in what's happening? Because I'm afraid. Yeah, you want, you want explanations all the time because of fear. You want to fear to allay your fear of what's going on. Right? My suggestion is this. Forget about trying to define what is happening. Just let it happen, and then afterwards you'll know what happened. <laughs> well, I have let it happen, but I don't know what happened. No, or no, uh, happen, no. I'm though. saying it hasn't happened because you're too busy trying to work out what happened. Okay. While it's happening, there's a lot of happenings there. Right. Okay. Yeah. You're you're too busy trying to work out what is happening while it's happening, rather than just surrendering. Rather than just surrendering, feeling it to its completion. Once you feel something to its completion, you will know exactly what happened. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and you're stopping that process from occurring. And it's your fear doing that. With everything, all week, everything has come back to that issue yeah. for me. Yep. Yeah, you, you're, you're so used to knowing things intellectually that now you're applying this, you're trying to do the same with divine truth. But, but remember, divine truth enters your soul, not your head. So, so, and, and then it enters your head as a subsequent result. <laughs> Does that make sense? So, divine truth comes in here first and then goes to here. Right? You're trying to make it come in here first and then go to there. And that's always not going to work because, because it, it can't enter there. It can only enter your soul. And the only way it can enter your soul is for the precluding emotion to be released first. So, so as soon as you start feeling the precluding emotion and then you get all complicated about oh, what's happening, now you've switched off the precluding emotion and it's still within the soul, so you don't get the opportunity to receive the truth as a result. Do you follow? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. Follow, yeah, but it's this. Yeah, it's the problem I have with fear. It's just it's the problem. I feel like everything is boiling down to that yeah. for me. Yeah. So look at, look at what, what you're afraid of, your belief systems. Go through the process we've been through a few days ago, looking at fear of action, fear, you know, f fear, fear of emotion. In particular, it's the fear of emotion that's yeah. affecting you. Look at your belief systems about emotion and those kind of things. Redu that's how you'll get rid of your fear of emotion. Once you no longer have a fear of emotion, you won't do what you're doing intellectually. You won't be trying to work out while you're going through something what it's all about. You'll just trust the process with God. You'll go through it. You come out the other end and then you'll know what it's about. But only then. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Okay, if we come down to Mary and then across to Alan on this side. So, Just uh, close with the mic, Mary, so yes, I can hear yes. you. Yep. So um, there's, uh, it says I can ask about denial, apathy, yes. <laughs> complacency, and hopelessness. Yes. Okay, so 
Okay, so and the prayer thing got me thinking about that. I think I talk to God, but I don't think I pray. And is that a um, the I don't want to issues and and all that pretty? Yeah, well, there, there's for yourself, Mary. Remember, I remember a few days ago I gave you some feedback. Yes. Regarding this issue of trust of people and so forth, and you're always withdrawing from people and so forth. And this is affecting your life in a lot of different ways. And one of the ways it's affecting your life is that it's affecting your relationship with God. You don't, you don't allow yourself to have feelings with God. You have thoughts with God. Yes. Right. So, so this is a, it's an issue for you. If you want to have communication with God, feelings have got to be the method of communication. But you're quite close to having feelings with anybody because you're worried about how much you might get hurt by that particular person. And there's a temptation then to, of course, from a soul perspective, you're already placing that on God. Like the hurt of the past, oh, okay. you're basically placing on God as well. Like he, your feeling is, your feeling is, if God loves me, he's going to overcome my will, he's going to force me to do things, and there's quite a number of other things that you feel, so you're preventing the flow of God's love to you, and, and then you still want to talk to God, so you use your mind to do it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. Yep. So your will can change by, by firstly looking at what are your justifications for maintaining, maintaining a life where you are very rarely interacting with other people? Because that's going to help you work through the emotions that will cause that that will also open up your relationship with God. Does that make sense? Yep. Yes. Yep. Thank you. Yep. And Alan. I don't know. Um, I can't think. I There's don't. something you don't know. <laughs> it might be something. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? It's a lot of judgment about that. Actually, no. What do we learn about not knowing? You're allowed to not know. Yeah. yeah. So okay. that's good. So how to tell the difference between using willpower and will. Like when I open my heart to God, yep. it's so painful. And is that compensation or is that willpower or what is that? You know. Well, well firstly, in previous co- uh, discussions on this subject two years ago, Mary, in her presentations to you, showed you how to determine the difference between will and willpower. So my suggestion is go back to those particular discussions and have a look at the contrast between what will does and what willpower does. So that's what I'd suggest to answer the first part of your question. The second part of your question is about experiencing emotion. You say when you pray to God, you all of a sudden start feeling quite emotionally painful oh, it's physically it's yeah, physically hurts in your heart yeah right? yeah so so that's an expression of an emotional pain and this is quite common and the reason why it's quite common is because we're now receiving some love from god which is a very deep contrast to what we've actually received in the past you understand and the contrast is what causes us to enter the state of deep amount of personal emotional sadness and pain about it the key is to allow the crying and you worry about your heart and you worry about how much it hurts. And as soon as you worry about that, you stop the crying. And that, and that stops the whole process. Do yeah, because I've got a similar problem to uh, Kathleen. To which Kathleen? The heart. Uh, 
uh, to, know, to Catherine. Heartbeat racing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yep. So that's a fear-based thing. Yeah. And and, uh, and you're very, very worried about it physically. So, and I see many people doing this. They worry so much about the physical response to emotional processes that they turn off the emotional process, and and that stops the healing process. So my suggestion is have confidence in how God made you. Have confidence in the fact that if you release emotion, your body will feel better, not worse. And have confidence, you know, and that's to do with the issue of all of what I'm just saying is the issue of faith, isn't it? In God, in God's goodness, in the way God's created you and so forth. So develop some faith in the way God's created you. I've had a little inkling finally of having some desire for God. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> these years. Yeah. But um I just don't un- I don't associate the connection between that pain and crying. It's just it must be a huge well, if we, it's quite logical. In your spirit body, which is a reflection of your soul-based condition, there are certain locations in your soul that affect uh, the spirit body. Now, now, this is why they have the chakra points, which are the energy cross-sections in your spirit body. So, so whenever you've heard about love, your heart-based area is going to be where the pain is stored. So, so once you receive some of God's love, you get triggered. This heart-based area is going to have a response, Right now, your physical body is connected to that, of course. So that heart-based area of your spirit body is going to reflect in your physical body, and that's the location that's going to hurt when you receive some divine love because of the contrast of love. If it was to do with uh, fear-based issues, it would be your solar plexus. If it was to do with to- truth-based issues, it'd probably be your throat. If it's, you see, it's different, just different areas of your body. The key is to allow the experience rather than getting all hung up about why it's happening. Do you understand? And what I notice is, like, there are explanations for why it's happening, but the trouble with explaining it all to you is then you're in your head and you're not feeling the feeling that's going to heal you, you see? So it is, in a way, it's compensation because I've blocked it off and... and. Uh well, is it compensation or is it just emotional pain from a hurt child, which is, oh, or, or what okay. is it? You don't yeah. know at this I point see. because you don't allow it to flow. Sure. So remember, compensation is about the stuff that you've chosen to do that's out of harmony with love, whereas oh, yeah. this pain inside of you here really relates to what's been done to you out of harmony with love. And so that's really more to do with childhood hurt that you're unwilling to experience, you see. Yeah. So, so you don't, but you're not going to know that until you process the thing, yeah, yeah. right? So I, I know because I can feel it from you, but, but you know, that doesn't do you any good because you're the one that needs <laughs> to feel it. <laughs> and, uh, and so what I'm suggesting to you is allow the process. It, it, there are going to be painful processes that happen in your body as a result. I've had plenty of them and, and I've gone through them and come out the other side of them and after a while you you learn to have a lot of confidence in the way god made your body made god made your soul made way god made your spirit body the way god made you to have motion flow out of you and so forth most of your all of our emotion is locked up in the soul but the soul remember has the connections between each body through those cords Right, so you've got silver cord, let's call this one the gold cord, shall we? And so you've got silver cord, the gold cord, and, and those particular cords cause the transmission of feelings to affect the bodies. 
and and this is what you're experiencing in your soul is a is a feeling about love about hurt about love this is one of the reasons why you get so angry with your man because it, it, whenever he does something that you feel is out of harmony with your you know the childhood definition of love you feel real hurt about it and then you don't want to feel that hurt so you get angry and and so this is the transmission of these emotions coming through and ex- and exposing themselves in your body does that make sense Yes. But but you don't really have to know that. No. All you have to do is allow yourself to feel that and have trust that God will help you through it. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's a there is. But I, I must point out to all of you there is a scientific explanation for absolutely everything that happens to you, and every single pimple you have on on your body, and every single blemish, and every single wart, and you know blemish and sun sunspot and whatever else. There's a scientific explanation for all of those particular things. But but the reality is, if you get bogged down in the explanation of of each one of them. The problem is that you have a tendency then to get out of the feelings based upon that, that will heal those particular things. So, so just feel whatever it is. Yeah, you, you need to allow yourself to be overwhelmed by this terrible sadness that you feel every time you pray. Just let yourself really surrender and sob your heart out. Do you, do you understand? And you know you want to, <laughs> but you're afraid of what's happening to your heart when you do. And that, that's a fear of uh, something going wrong in your physical body. Yeah, it feels like it's going to explode or, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's going, and this is why some of the pain is quite intense, right, physically. And the reason why it's intense physically is because it is also intense emotionally. And there's, there's a big connection between that emotion and the physical, the physical energy systems in your actual physical body. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure. If we come down to Laura and... Cross to Josh, and I've got seven minutes. Um, <clears throat> with myself, I'd like to disperse the intensity of the fear of spiritual attack. So what I'm um, wanting to do is the false evidence appearing real of spiritual attack. It's not the actual attack because the attack is real. So is it a case of me linking the attack with my worth and that putting... And that I've got the connection with if someone attacks me, my worth is um, pulled. So what, what are you doing now, Laura? Um, I'm trying to disperse the intensity of my fear, which is exactly... You're trying to reason with your mind about how you can, get it, how you can deal with this emotionally without feeling too stressed, right? That's what you're trying to yeah, do. Yeah, I thought maybe that, um, I'm, I'm making it bigger than what it is. I'm trying to see it logically. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel you're making it, it, it. The problem is huge for you. Yes. But, but it's, huge. <laughs> it's huge for you. You, you are constantly um, responding to the negative attack of spirits around you, women's spirits around you, and you even engage behaviour which attacks other women because uh, these women don't like women. And, and the main reason why you're doing it, I've already said to you many times, which is related to how you view your mother, you follow? And you don't want to feel about your mother. That's the issue. So, so my suggestion is develop your will to allow yourself to feel the emotions relating to your mother. Once you feel those emotions, you will disconnect the spirits around you who do this stuff with you. You follow? At this stage, what you're doing is you're, you're refusing to release the emotions relating to your mother. And, and as a result, you have a lot of mother-type spirits who come and browbeat you just like your mother would 
Does that make sense? So that's the key for you. Just you don't want to be overwhelmed by that emotion. That's the one that you don't want to be overwhelmed by. Yep. And you notice once I get rid of all of the talking and we focus on the emotion, it's there straight away, right? Just pass across to Mia. Does, it's all right, does, you can go out too if you need to. Does this apply to me too? I, would this apply to me too? Because I feel also that often angry women spirits are influencing me to do things out of fear. Yeah, I agree they are. But, but for yourself, Mia, now you're asking a personal question rather than a principal question. Um, as did Laura, and I probably should have picked her up on it. But, but uh, the principle I'm getting at with Laura is that she's using her head to to reason herself out of feeling an emotion that we've discussed many times before. You follow me? Now, I've not had discussions with you many times before, so what I'm saying to her doesn't apply here. Um, however, you're asking a personal question, and I'd like to focus on the principles, if we can. So we were over to Josh. Principal question? Well, it's about will. Yep. But I guess there's a bit of an example um, um, from my life where I feel I've tried to um, exercise my will in harmony with love, what, what I felt was love or the right thing to say and do. Mm-hmm. And I felt uh, like the whole structure of my being just being shattered and like, just destroy Can I say firstly, you you just used a number of words. Can you remember what they were? Try was one of them. I tried try to, to use my will. Use my will to to do what's to, loving. To do what's do. loving, yes. So I was like using my willpower to do what I thought was loving. Oh, I agree. So that's the first thing. You're just using willpower here, not your will. And that's why I resulted in so much pain because it was like no, it resulted in pain because you need to understand that that you put a lot of store in how you know other people respond. When you say it respond, you result in a lot of pain. Tell me what the pain was. Uh, it was like physical pain all the way from the top of my head to my feet. Yeah. Um, and and is physical pain bad? Like it doesn't feel good. No, is it bad? Like what? What's the result of sin? Physical pain. Pain. And when we release thing, something, obviously the pain's in us, it's got to come out. So what's that going to mean? Less suffering. No, no, Less we're going to first have to feel that pain, aren't we? We'll feel the pain We first. have to feel it. So feeling pain's not a bad thing, is it? No. But you think it is? Yeah, that's yeah. the internal sort of So that's attitude. a problem? Yeah. You know, and what did we say a couple of days ago was our primary motivation for avoiding most emotion and not taking any action? Our primary motivation was to avoid pain. Avoid pain. Right? So, this is our problem is that we've got to get used to the concept that actually we're going to go through physical and emotional pain when we do this. And we've got to get used to it. We've got to, we've got to allow it to happen. Remember, I gave the example of a splinter being taken out. It's like, it's like deciding to leave the splinter in because someone's fishing around with a needle and you don't like the idea of that and what that might, you know, extra pain that might cause. 
Do you understand? Because they can't find it and they dig another hole. <laughs> yeah, they have to dig a hole and you know what it's like. You know, you get a splinter somewhere and you've got to dig a hole and get it out that way. You know, m most people in particular, you think about most children in particular, very afraid of you digging a hole in them so, so to get something out, but it's for their good to get it out, right? So this is what God's trying to do with us. God's saying, no, you're going to have to go through some pain while I pull these things out. And, and they're in you now. There's nothing you can do about them being in you aside from letting them come out. And the way they're going to come out is they're going to have, have emotional and physical pain coming out. And you're going to have to allow that process. The key is whether your physical pain is being caused by further sin you're engaging or whether your physical pain is being caused by the fact that you're now in the process of release. And that is something you will know after you've allowed the pain to pass. You will then know, you'll feel the release if it's a release. If, if you feel the pain come back again, then you know it uh, must be something else. So you have to really change the attitude internally somehow. Like, um, Your attitude to pain, yeah. Attitude to pain. Yeah. Because if, if you don't, then it's just only ever going to be momentary pain and you will not go any further. Well, not only that, is it you'll just, you'll just keep on this process of avoiding pain. And this is what majority of us finish up doing. Our whole life is lived just avoiding pain, not understanding that there's some pain that we're going to have to feel to release it, and other pain we don't have to feel at all if we chose to not sin. But we, we, we have to go through the process. The process of release is going to be a painful process. It is. You're going to have to learn how to handle pain. You are. And, and like, I've had to learn how to handle pain. In fact, there's very frequently when I'm in extreme amounts of pain and none of you know at all because I've learnt how, how to treat it and how to view it and how not to get stressed about it and how not to panic about it and how not to worry about the fact that I'm in so much pain and I get all stressed about it and have to, take to a, go to a doctor and get, this, get on operation and all those things. I don't stress about any of those things anymore. Does that make sense? But that's because you've you're got a desire to feel and release it. You know, that's your... No, the pain just feels as bad in me as it does in you for you. But so, it, so everyone else has got their pain as well, but you're... So what you're I'm suggesting is my pain. attitude to pain is different to yours. That's what I'm suggesting. And, and, and if your attitude and your attitude to pain needs to change, at this stage most of you have the attitude... If I'm in pain, I have to stop it at all costs. And at all cost means I will sacrifice love of self or others. I will sacrifice truth as long as I can stop this pain. Stopping the pain becomes your primary motivator. Whether that is stopping physical pain or emotional pain, it becomes your primary motivator. The problem with that being your primary motivator is you're going to do some very unloving things in order to stop your pain both to yourself and to others, in order to stop your pain, whether it be emotional or physical, you will do choose to do unloving things. If you no longer honour your pain so much and you no longer you know, treat it as if it's God, treat it, you treat it as if you know, your fear of it is God, then, then you will accept your pain as either a compensatory effect for past sin or an instant response to present sin, or a re release process of passing. And in the pageant messages, you'll notice that there's a whole concept of um, you know, expiation of sin. 
And, and in there, they all say they've had a pain, physical and emotional. So we've got to get used to it. Does that make sense? Mary, you wanted to say? Hello, Josh. I just feel your projections that Jesus are a bit out of line at the moment, mate. You I've been out of line the whole, the whole group, Mary. So. <laughs> it's not very nice. He's doing his best to assist you and you're projecting a lot of uh, anger at him. Ang- Daddy anger, which we've discussed a number oh, okay. of times. Okay. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, Sherry, thanks. And then Suzanne. Uh, I just want to ask a question about will and sincerity. Will and sincerity, yes. Um, so if I was to use my will to become more sincere, I'd be addressing the things that we've talked about earlier this week. Well, you'd be addressing probably the things that make you insincere. Yes. Yeah, so, so what are those? Um, Give me some of them. So believing I want to change when I don't. Right. So would you call that facade? Yes. Yeah. Whether it be personal or expressed outwardly, yes. Um, so that they would have to, you'd want to f- deal with that, wouldn't you, if you wanted to become sincere? Yeah. Because that's not sincere at all. No, that's no. right. Anything else that comes to your mind? If you were real sincere. If I was sincere, I'd look sincerely about like how I use my time. Okay, so you'd reflect upon things like time... and energy Mm. and also any other resource that you have as well, Mm -hmm. wouldn't you? Yes. So you reflect upon how you're using that and you'd go, okay, you'd measure that. Remember in the very first presentation we did in the 2014 assistance group, we talked about measuring how you use your time, measuring how you use your resources. Is it in harmony with what you think it you know, is your important goals. Because if it's not, then you're not sincere about those goals. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And just, yeah. So I need to just get more truthful about that. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And wouldn't you also have to examine things like, like how do, do you justify, uh, minimise? Remember we went through this a few days ago? Yes. There was the, do we justify, minimise? Deny. Excuse. Deny or blame. Now, all of those are insincere acts, are they not? Yes. Yeah, so we'd have to examine how, you know, do we keep doing that? So whenever you treat your husband badly, do you just keep justifying it all the time? Mm. Do you just minimise it all the time? This is an indication of not being sincere. Does that mm. make sense? Because a person who, who's truly sincere wouldn't minimise it. Yeah. If it. Even if it was a, mis- if it was a mistake engaged... You know, you, you, you engage, you know, all of a sudden a soul-based emotion come up and before you know it, you're expressing it. Afterwards, you would at least sit down and go, wow, that was just way out of line. And you certainly wouldn't justify it and you certainly wouldn't minimise it. And you wouldn't, wouldn't say it was all his fault. And you wouldn't, do you know, if you were truly sincere, you wouldn't do any of those things, right? Mm-hmm. So these are, these are ways to test your sincerity. And so that could all come under the banner, really, of taking more personal responsibility for everything. C- correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay, thank yeah. you. Yeah, very important. We were, who were we here? Suzanne, that's right. Just contemplating this past week, like the lessons and 
and the realizations and it just occurred to me that really it's hard to imagine I could be in much more pain than I've been in in my resistance and denial and yep. shame about myself in realizing that I'm doing these things these exact things so yep. and um, depression trying to beat myself yep. using my willpower to be better and I don't take medications and things, so headaches and yep. aches and pains and physical things that go on for days and days. Yep. And you're also, I'm also in the pain of understanding that it's my resistance. Yeah. There's something in me doesn't want to have the answer and understand. Yeah. And your so, primary problem, Suzanne, if I can help you with it, is just your terrible fear of overwhelming emotion. You're just so petrified of overwhelming emotion, and that's what's causing most of these body responses that you're currently having. So, so, so you're saying you can't imagine that your pain could get worse. Well, <laughs> but, that's that's the pain that I know now. So, but while you continue to express emotion, your pain will get worse. Well, that's what I feel. Yeah. So once you understand that particular truth, then you might stop. You know. You start to be more sincere about whether you really want to feel this emotional pain. And as I discussed with Alan, do you want to allow the emotional overwhelm, even though it is painful at the time, emotionally and physically it will be painful at the time? Do, do you want to allow that process so you release some, or are you just going to keep accruing some, some pain, extra pain? What are you going to do? At this stage, I don't understand why I don't. I mean, I spend a lot of time... <laughs> no, see, that's where you're not taking responsibility. Right. You say you don't understand why you don't. I would say to you, you don't want to understand why you don't. Okay, that's fair enough. Right. So my suggestion to you is desire to understand why you don't. There's got to be, doesn't okay. there, some quite uh, deep emotional reasons within you as to why you don't want to. Remember the previous conversation I had with uh, Gary, where Gary pointed out that he's, he's, he's realised that he's allowed to not want to. Right? And then he's, allow he's allowed to feel about why he doesn't want to. That's, that's what you need to do with this particular problem. Does that make sense? Because at the moment you, you sort of judge all of that because you, you, you have quite intense judgment both external, internally and externally uh, expressed. And, and rather than judging it so much, you just feel quite strongly, well, I don't, obviously don't want to feel my emotion here. There's got to be a reason. I've got to find the reason. Now, this is where you can engage your will to have more faith that if you find your reason, it's going to be better, to have a higher desire for truth, to know what the reason is, to be able to have a sincere desire for God to give you more explanation about what this particular problem is, where you can actually take action. So every time the emotion starts coming up, do what I suggested to Alan and allow the emotion to flow rather than shutting it down each time. And, and these kind of things that you can choose to do will open open you up to actually eventually having an emotional experience that once you start having them you'll be fine you, the problem for many of you ladies is you've been shut down for such a long time emotionally and you're living in a man's world a lot of the time still to be frank you know we're living in a very intellectually dominated world so many of you ladies have shut down your natural way of addressing issues which is to address the emotion and so, so many of you have deep emotional suppressive techniques that you've used to shut down emotion and that is going to have to be addressed at some point if you're going to progress. And work through them. What are they? And a lot of them will be related to your fathers. That's how you gain daddy's approval, right? 
A lot of it's going to be related to your father. Right? So be related to how, how you gain approval from him, acceptance from him. How, why is it that you want to be so intellectually dominant? Why is it that you're not allowing your connection to the emotional centre of yourself? Why is it that you're not risking your emotions with your partners and your friends and your family and, and, and in particular the person you love, like your lover? Why is it that you're not exposing these particular things to them? It's because of some deep emotional suppression of the actual feelings and a, and a cover all over the top of intellectual dominance. And that's a choice. Right? You. Yeah. And you know your daddy's been like that with you. Oh, yeah, very yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. I realised this morning. And, and what's happening now in your life, you know, you can see all of these things are coming to head because you've got your dad and your mum, they're getting aged now and so forth, and there's a lot of triggers now occurring in these areas yeah. demonstrating to you actually this is who it's related to, these these feelings yeah, very graphic yeah, yeah. thank you yep well we have to finish there guys on this q and a in fact i'm 10 minutes over finishing so what we'll do is uh our next presentation can we we'll have 20 minutes break now so that'll make it if if we can come back at uh, 22 22 um what would that be two 20 to two is that right yep and uh yeah, if we can get started by then on our next two sessions, that, that would be wonderful. So thanks for asking those questions. Good questions, guys. Thank you for that. Good engagement. Yep. <clears throat>